right, so for the next few weeks, we are going to be talking about first things first, and mainly uh, what we want to encourage you to join us in doing is if you don't do anything else for the next 21 days as we enter into this time of prayer and fasting, if, if nothing else happens, we want to encourage you to intentionally, beginning this afternoon, actually beginning at lunch today, um, put God first. There's so many things that, that come up in our lives that get in the way and, and distract us, and, and all of these things aren't actually even evil but they can keep us from prioritizing or putting God first if we're not careful. Before I get into this this morning, I need to do just two things real quick. Number one, I need to make sure that you know next Sunday afternoon at 3 p.m., this is for all of our official uh, members here at New Hope to be here uh, at 3 p.m. We're going to have a special business meeting. But if you're not an official member and you still attend here and you call this your church home, you're welcome to come and ask questions. Uh, we value your input. We want to answer your questions. But we have an opportunity to purchase the 24 acres of land that surround our church all the way down to the High Line and then comes back up and gives us some more frontage property here. It will allow us to do some things here currently and decide on things. It gives us more options in the future. And we feel like that it's a, a, a good purchase for us and the opportunity um, arose for us to be able to do that. And so we have had a board meeting and we are going to make an offer based on the minutes in that board meeting. And we want to give you the opportunity to approve uh, the decision that we have will present to you on the purchase of this land. So uh, 24 acres next Sunday afternoon at 3 p.m. I got to give you two Sundays heads up. So I'm giving you this Sunday and next Sunday. That's two. And we'll have a meeting next Sunday afternoon. All right. We're going to edit all of that out of any kind of uh, podcast or sermon illustration in the future. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to start all over and I want you to help me please welcome and make sure they know how important we had almost 30 people in first service. I don't know how many we have now, but would you please welcome all of those who are joining us live online. We love you guys. Thank you for taking the time. And also every week, every week uh, that we can, we have the opportunity to be a part of the Eunice Correctional Facility. We have to share the gospel with our brothers and sisters in Christ and our potential brothers and sisters in Christ right here in our own correctional facilities. Could you please make sure that they know how grateful we are that they're taking the time to listen. Pray that God moves in you and, and does a work in you wherever you are. All right. As you can see this morning, it, it, it almost seems like we did it on purpose, so I gave Pastor John credit for us doing this on purpose. This morning, we have, we have cleared the stage, if you will, uh, just minus a, a few instruments, but, but we have cleared the stage. We're, we're preparing, and, and I want to I wanna invite you over the next 21 days. In fact, just begin today. Whatever you do, I, I want to invite you to clear the stage of your heart, of your mind, um, to clear the stage of your spirit. If you will, pull up a, a blank canvas for God to, to paint a new masterpiece or maybe to paint a new piece to add to your current collection. Whatever it is, clear the stage and let, let God redesign. Let God be first, not just part of your life. For this year. And, and we want to encourage you not to commit to a resolution alone. Not that there's anything wrong with, with resolutions. Uh, all of our gym owners, they love resolutions. Those, they are very thankful for those, for those sign-ups that sign up for six months and only show up six times. Come on, somebody. They, they are happy about that. So we, we encourage that. It's good for our economy. And all six of those visits are really good for your health. So do those things. But even more, even more than we're committing to a year or to a resolution, we want a covenant with God. I love what Pastor John said last week, that we're not committing to a date. We're not covenanting, covenanting to a date. We're covenanting to God. We're committing our lives to God. And even if you're in a place where God has been first, there's always somewhere in our lives 
where we could maybe clean out and instead of clearing a stage, maybe we just need to clean out a closet or three. Maybe we just need to clean out our car. Maybe we just need to brush some of the dust off of some of those things that we used to be good at. I believe that, that prayer and fasting, the combination of those two, it's a, it's a spiritual discipline. It's really a spiritual art that has predominantly become lost in our culture. And we connect ourselves to things that we don't even mean to connect ourselves to. For instance, we told our children, and we do this every year, um, we weren't going to watch television for 21 days. So 21 days, no TV, uh, except for the national championship game that daddy's going to watch on that Monday. But other than that, there's no, no, actually we're going to even institute a movie night this year where we just pop popcorn and lay in the floor and spend time together because God is honored by us spending time with the people that we love just as much as he is honored by us spending time with him. So we're going to do that. But, and the television thing they're used to, but here was the, this was the trump card, okay? This was the kicker for this year. Uh, Megan and I decided that they were also going to fast their iPad. Okay, I know, right? And so here was, they were, they were like, okay, okay, it was past our iPad. But then all of a sudden, my eight-year-old realized something, and she had a, 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 a legitimate question. She said, but mama, what are we going to do on Saturday morning while you and daddy are still sleeping? What are we going to do? It was a sincere, like she was gentle, like, I don't know what to do on Saturdays without my iPad. And so I received from the Holy Spirit divine impartation to give wisdom into my child. And I said, baby, stay in your bed. Sleep, girl. Get you some rest. What I figured out was, and, and it was funny at first, but, but then I realized my children were missing sleep. They were waking up early just to spend time on their iPad because they knew they only had a certain amount of time. And if they could beat us awake, then they could spend more time. They were waking up early on Saturday mornings to spend time with their iPad. And their iPad is not in and of itself evil, but it was robbing them of rest. Listen to me. There are some things in your life that are not in and of themselves evil, but they are robbing you of your rest. They are robbing you of the true fulfillment that God has for you. And then I was convicted that my little girl would get up and spend time on her iPad, but I hadn't been getting up like I like to, to spend time with the creator of the iPad, with the one that holds everything in his hands. Or I haven't been staying up the way that I like to stay up and read a few more things, that I had gotten connected to some things, not necessarily even evil things, just things that were a distraction. And there are times in our lives where we've got to intentionally empty ourselves so that God can refill us. So he either saves us or sanctifies us to even better than we are currently. So whatever you do, put God first. Because what we form for the next 21 days is going to outlive what we fast. The habits that we form, the prayer life that we form, the, the scripture reading that we form, the habits that we have, those are the things that we're after for the next 21 days. So whether you join us beginning today at lunch and doing whatever it is that God leads you to do, maybe you only do three days, maybe you only do seven, maybe you do 14, maybe you do some here and some here, whatever it is that God leads you to do. Maybe you fast lunch two days a week and you just spend that time doing what you know you need to be doing or what you really want to do. Maybe you turn off the television at a specific point. Whatever it is, form new habits over the next 21 days. Develop something different that you don't currently possess. Because we're not just giving things up. We want to grow closer to God. That's the objective. So what do I what do I give up? If I want to give something up to grow closer to God, what, what do I give up? Well, we've recommended and we still recommend that you just pick at least one. Some of you have, I know some people in our church, I've been encouraged, actually challenged. 
I'm not even leading the way in this thing. There are some people that started like January 2nd. Like they ate all the stuff that you're supposed to eat on, you know, all the green cabbage stuff, which by the way, funny story, ask me later, Pastor Weston trying to eat cabbage. Hilarious, okay? But they had all that stuff on January 1st and then on January 2nd, they started their fast. Um, there are some people that are, that are fasting more than I am. There are some people that are fasting less than I am. Whatever it is, that you lay down, I, we encourage you to pick at least one food item because biblically, um, Scripture always, in reference to fasting, it always included food. And here's the other thing is that when you fast food, every time you want it, and okay, not fast food, but fast food, okay? When you fast food, every time that you want it, you remember why. You remember why you're not going to let yourself have it. And it makes you, immediately makes you more mindful of God than you would have been had you not fasted that item. The next thing is something cultural or something technological. Something that we have in our lives today that distracts us from God. If you haven't planned yet, just join us. Try it. The first time I fasted, I had no idea what I was doing or why. And I fasted meat for an entire week. And I thought I was going to starve to death, okay? That wasn't a big deal to my girlfriend, now wife, at the time, because she can prepare entire meals without meat and be completely satisfied. And I just prepare meat and make that my entire meal. And so that was a big, it was tough for us. We were working through those things. One cultural, one food item. Now, the question is, if we're giving something up to grow closer to God, how do I do that? How do I grow closer to God? And that's a sincere question and a question that a lot of people, you may know the answer to, but you don't really know how, okay? So number one, here's my number one way to grow closer to God is to study his word, to study his word. Now, some of you may not know how to do that. So we've given you resources on our website. You can go to unischurch.com, click on the resource tab. We have given you ways and things to study, devotionals, uh, and the YouVersion Bible app. You can pick, just pick just about anything. I would encourage some of you, just start a daily reading plan. Read some of the Old Testament, some of the Psalms, and some of the New Testament, and just work your way through. I can promise you this. If you develop a habit of a daily scripture reading plan over the next 21 days. You will be more spiritually healthy in 2019 than you have ever been before. Why? Because faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. Study his word. Spend time in his word. Spend time in scripture. This is not a place where I recommend that you just come and listen to me speak every week. This is a place where I encourage you to study scripture for yourself, to show yourself approved, to study it and figure out the why behind the what. Because you know what I've noticed? I've noticed growing up in this state and living in Arkansas and East Texas, just being in this area most of my life, I've noticed that we have a lot of people that have learned how to be Protestant. We've got a lot of people who have learned how to be evangelical. We've got a lot of people who have learned how to be charismatic and a lot of people who have learned how to be Catholic, but we don't have a lot of people that have learned God's word. We have a lot of people that know what their family taught them to believe, but they are biblically illiterate. And the reason that is, is because we keep taking people for their word instead of studying his word for ourselves. And when you begin to learn the word of God, it changes who you are. And it takes somebody else's personal relationship with Jesus, and it makes it personal to you. So study his word. Learn how to read it. Learn how to study it. And we can help you if you need help with that. How else do I grow closer to God? You just spend time with him. Now, I can honestly say, and, and I'm not just saying this because I'm supposed to, but I do hope it gains me brownie points. I legitimately love my wife more today than I did 10 years ago when we got married because I have spent more time with her because no one in this room has put up with more of me, <laughs> knows me better. There's no one in this room that I have shared my life with more than my spouse. Therefore, my relationship with her is stronger than with anyone else in this room. 
You cannot learn how to love a God that you never spend any time with. You cannot develop a relationship with someone that you never invest any time into. You have to spend time with God. Spend time with God in prayer. Like, make your requests known to God. And we even did an entire series on prayer. So if you don't know how to pray, you can go back and you can, you can listen to that series. We explained that. It was only a couple of months ago. See, we, we don't have any excuse to be illiterate in this culture because we have everything that is accessible right at our fingertips if we would just take the time to take advantage of it. So pray. And if you have a plan to pray, then so be it. Pray. Spend time with God. When you're praying, pause. Just sit and listen. See what God says. I'm going to tell you something that God told me in a time of prayer where I just stopped talking and started listening. I know that's hard for some of you to believe, but I actually am able to do that. Uh, We just paused and we just listened to God for a minute. Some of us, we just need to learn how to hear his voice and what it means. And some of us, we just, we need to turn off everything that's a distraction and just turn on some worship music. Some of the songs that we play on Sunday or some of the genre of music that you like, just turn those on and just sit there and let God help you learn how to worship him. The reason that many of us have such a hard time worshiping in the sanctuary is because that's the only time we try. Worshiping in a Sunday morning set list is the only time that we even make the effort to worship God. It's the only time that we make the effort to lift our hands, to pray, to to open ourselves up to his will. But you can plan your own worship service and you can have your own time of worship. You know what the beauty of the New Testament covenant is? That the veil has been broken, has been torn from top to bottom, and the presence of God is no longer stuck in one single place. That the Holy of Holies is available to you first thing in the morning and last thing at night. That you can drive down the road and spend time with the Holy Spirit. That you can be getting ready for your day and make yourself mindful of worshiping God. You can do dishes. I thought the ladies would just go crazy right there for, for all the men that need to be doing dishes. Come on, son. You can cook. You can prepare. Come on. You can hunt somebody. You spend time. You can spend time with God, but you have to be mindful of him. And fasting and praying gets us back in that mode that we can focus on who should be first. Again, it was one of the things I love about fasting food. Um, I, I'm, first thing this morning, no coffee for Chris. And I wanted to press start, and, and I wanted to justify it. And by the way, I didn't do the half-calf thing, so I am miserable today. <laughs> I, I didn't prepare myself. My body is freaking out. But you know what I did that I, I don't normally do? Instead of getting up and drinking coffee, I left the coffee over there, and I sat with God. Because I remembered why I was laying that down. It's not that I don't want it. It's just that I lay it down for just a season so that I can lean into God in a way that I wasn't formally. So why are we fasting? It's very simple. We are fasting to disconnect ourselves from the world. To disconnect ourselves from the things that we rely on. And to reconnect with God in a fresh way. And maybe a new way altogether. So we disconnect from the things that we don't want to be distracted by, and we reconnect to the one that we want to guide everything that we do. Isaiah 58, verse 6. I read this last week, but it's, it's just too prominent not to put back in front of us every week that this is the fast that I have chosen, to loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens to let the oppressed go free and that every yoke shall be broken. Every yoke shall be broken. I believe this about this scripture. I believe this about prayer and fasting, that if you can learn self-control over food, then you can learn self-control over your flesh. 
In other words, if you can deny yourself something that you are used to having in one area of your life, then you can learn discipline over things you're not supposed to have in other areas of your life. See, a lot of us get stuck in the same stuff over and over and over again because we don't understand surrender and sacrifice or we're only willing to go to a certain place. And so our addiction is never truly overcome. Our anger is never truly overcome. Our fear is never truly overcome. But when you fast that thing and you lay it down and you put yourself in position to reprioritize who should be the purpose of your life, then all of a sudden, fear doesn't seem so intimidating. Anger doesn't seem so important. And everything that was a distracting and was discouraging, you're now stomping and walking and maybe even dancing over the top of. The truth is, is that most of, most of us do not need another prayer of deliverance. We just need discipline. And if you can learn control over the food, then you can gain control over an area of your flesh. And when that happens, watch the promise of God. Verse 8, your light, your light shall break forth like the morning. Your healing shall spring forth speedily. Your righteousness shall go before you. And the glory of the Lord, that glory that we were praying for God to show us this morning. When you fast, you don't even have to ask for it anymore. It's just there, the glory of God is right there with you, following you as a resonation of who you are and who you desire to be. I love this scripture in verse 8, 58, Isaiah 58, verse 8. Um, it, this is the passage of scripture I always think of whenever we go into a, a fast, whether corporately or privately. I just, I always think this. And by the way, I didn't, I forgot to say this in first service, but, but you can tell people what you're fasting. You know, everybody like takes the scripture that if you're fasting, you wash your face, anoint your head with oil, and da da da. And you, and it's, and, but that same passage, it says that when you pray, go into a room by yourself and pray in private, and the prayers that you have in private will be blessed openly. When you give, give privately, don't celebrate. What it's saying is don't be arrogant about what God's called you to do. Don't be spiritually arrogant, uh, don't be physically arrogant. In other words, if, if we call to a corporate fast, you don't have to be ashamed to share the fast. Hey, I'm part of the fast. What are you fasting? You talk about what you're fasting. In fact, I believe sharing that becomes a testimony. Wow, you're doing that? That's really cool. We could take off together and we could fast together. You encourage one another. You pray one for another. You may receive healing that you wouldn't have healed had you not confessed it or encouraged one another. So don't be afraid to talk about these things. Yeah, but don't walk around mully grubbing all the time like, oh, I hadn't had any sweets in the last 14 days. I'm feeling holy. You should see my six pack. No, that's not what we're talking. Okay. That's not the point of this. Like that's spiritually arrogant. Okay. I'm not saying just brag with everybody, but I'm saying you, I, I, I was, I, I carried guilt that I didn't need to carry in the midst of a fast. And that's what the devil's going to try to do to you. So he's going to try to distract you with things that aren't important. But I knew that there was something significant about fasting, according to scripture, according to God's word. And so one year we began the fast just like we do on a Sunday. I actually began mine on Saturday night. It's like the last supper. And I'm like, oh Lord. And that's where I usually get anxiety. It gets a little heavy. I'm like, it's here. I'm starting tomorrow morning. Oh Lord, I don't like to not eat. I love to eat. It makes me happy. Okay, so anyways, I, so we started, and, and, and we came home from lunch, and, and surely enough uh, that we, we were just immediately, um, I don't know how you feel about this, but there's like one kind of sickness that I just whoa, despise over all the rest. It's that stomach virus, you know, that 20, it's only 24 hours, but you would commit your whole life to the mission field in Africa by the end of that 24 hours, and God would just take it away, right? Okay, and so, but what's, what's even worse is when you have three children, um, and they don't know that you're not supposed to eat the cracker that your other brother just had after he just puked, right? And so that literally happened one year. We're like, oh, no, get the oil. Okay, so um, Adeline got just, it was, it was there, stomach virus, and she was sick, she was nauseous. She threw up, and I was like, not in my house, not on the first day of the fast, not on the first day of the fast. Like, you may mess with me when I'm not fasting, 
but I'm going to have some faith rise up when I'm fasting. I know. It just gives me confidence. And so I went and got a bottle. Actually, I don't know if it was cooking oil or peanut oil or vegetable oil or whatever. I don't know what kind of oil it was. It was oil. It was all we had. And if it had peanut, we'd have glazed her over, whatever it was. We just, I think it was olive oil, but it's nothing significant about the oil. It was just that we take the time to pray, and the oil reminds us that the Holy Spirit's in the house with us. We anointed her with oil. I prayed over her. I actually opened up my Bible to this scripture, and I pled the blood of Jesus over It's not that big of a deal if one kid gets sick, but you start everybody throwing it up in your house, and Megan's got a lot of throw-up to clean up. So, and then she gets sick, and then it's me versus four people, and I lose every time. So I was like, man, I was having this spiritual moment. Y'all listen. I, she woke up the next morning. She didn't even have, she went to sleep. She slept the whole night. We never heard another thing. And to be totally honest, it's not what I expected. I, 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 was, I was irritated, and so I prayed with some fervency. But really, my faith wasn't even there. She woke up the next morning. She didn't even have a sign of sickness. I mean, there was nothing. It was gone. And so a lot of, you know, maybe sometimes we would be like, well, well, man, I'm glad that worked out that way for you. Or, or man, it must have been something that she ate. You know, she must have just had like some little food poisoning or something like that. But you know what I've decided not to do? I've decided not to become spiritual, call out to God, and then give something else credit when he answers the way that I asked him to. The reason that some of us don't see the glory of God working the way that it's supposed to work in our lives, the way that he wants to work in our lives, is because when he prays and he answers, we give something else credit, or we give coincidence credit. Listen, I don't believe in coincidences. I believe in God's will or not God's will, and I can designate those two things very easily, and as long as I know the will of God, I'm able to walk in it. When I don't know the will of God, I'm worried about it, but I saw the will of God come to pass that night according to his word, and it was a personal testimony. And every time that I needed to stand on his word, I've been able to stand on his word. So now that her little sister has seizures, I know for the next 21 days, I'm going to fast and pray like I hadn't fasted and prayed in a long time. I'm going to anoint with oil like I hadn't anointed with oil in a long time. And I'm going to believe God for his healing to spring forth speedily because that's what his word says he will do. And when it happens, I'm not going to give medicine and modern science the recognition for it. I'm going to say all praise and glory be to God, my father, in whom I have put my trust. And if it doesn't happen, I'm going to praise him anyway. Because anybody can walk across the top of the mountain with him. But our faith is tried and tested whenever we take the time to discover his will. Verse 9 says, you shall call upon the name of the Lord and he will answer. You shall cry and he will say, here I am. So whether you see him move or whether you just see him, you'll know he's there. So we fast to find his will. That's our purpose. Our heart is to find his will, not to force his hand. He's not a genie in a bottle. I love, your, I love the stories. I, God has never given me a cheap pair of pants that I already wanted. Like I find cheap pants all the time, but that's just because I'm cheap. Is <laughs> what it is. But God has answered prayers financially over and over and over and over again. And God has blessed us financially over and over again. And when things didn't line up financially because we were faithful with our finances, God was faithful to what he had to favor. And when, that, when we do that and every time that we do that, I don't just give happenstance credit. When I see a pair of pants, if I would have wanted a pair of pants and I saw them in Goodwill two weeks later and I didn't spend my tithe on that, I'd have give God glory for it too. And it's time that we start finding substance in the small things so that he can begin to do the great things in our lives. When we do that, we will see his glory when we find his will. Because living this life is not about what we want. We spend too much time, listen to me, we spend too much time in prayer asking God to do things our way. We could be spending time in prayer seeking his way. And when we seek his will and we seek his way, he will show up in a way that we never expected and do way more than we could have ever imagined. That's who he is. Find his will. Let me celebrate just a little bit. In 2018, we had some prayer requests. We started off the fast, and we write these things down, and we had some prayer requests. And, and let me just say, God exceeded our expectation. God exceeded our expectation in so many areas. One of the areas that he exceeded our expectation is we had 600 people come to our Easter services. I was blown away. Don't know where they parked them. So glad we had a parking team. Praise God for serve teams, or sorry, dream teams. Pastor Connect, Pastor Weston, that's the connection side. He, he, he's, we tell because pastors say dream teams, dream teams. We averaged over, and I, again, I wouldn't have expected this to happen this quickly. 
I want to say a higher number, but I didn't exactly calculate the numbers. I know for a fact we averaged over 450 people in attendance in our services this fall, which is incredible. It's awesome. But here's what's even cooler. We had 52 people follow Jesus in believer's baptism, water baptism last year. We had 52 people. I have no idea how many people received salvation because I don't count salvations by how many people raise their hand or repeat a prayer after me, even though I do believe that's where it begins. I count salvations by how many people we have take the next steps and get plugged into the church who are actually following Jesus. So we had 52 people receive believer's baptism, water baptism last year where they didn't care. They didn't care that it was outside in the cow tank. They were just too proud of what Jesus was doing inside of them, not to let everybody else know what was going on. It's 52 people. And after that, we had uh, almost 40. I want to say more than that, but again, we don't have these specific numbers. Close to 40 people received the baptism of the Holy Spirit last year with the evidence of a prayer language. That is an incredible offering. It's an incredible move of God to have that many people seek. And some of those people have been seeking the baptism of the Holy Spirit for the previous year and praying. And it came to pass that year. And it's a biblical principle that we believe in at this church. And you don't have to believe in it to go here. I just hope that you receive it because it doesn't make me better than you, but it sure made me better than me. To receive that prayer language and have that experience is something I believe that is biblically offered. We had 92 people, 92 people go through next steps from January to December of 2018. 92 people learned more about the church, discovered more about themselves, connected more to Jesus, and found a place to serve on a dream team. Now, this is what's cool about that. We have over 25 dream teams where people are serving on a weekly basis, monthly basis, or through an outreach purpose. I didn't didn't even know how many teams. We had 27 exactly. We have 27 teams currently and more being developed. Here's the number that's the most... is the coolest number to me. We had 220 people. We have 220 people serving on a dream team on a Sunday morning, a Wednesday night, or through extracurricular activities that we offer as a church throughout the year. Over 220 people. That is 100 more people serving in this church than we had attending this church in November of 2016. That is an incredible, an incredible thing that God is doing. So I'm just going to cast a little vision because I believe 2019 is the year of development. I believe that 2019 is the year of not just planting, sowing, or even reaping, but of watering and tending and becoming better at the things that we've already implemented. I'm believing God to baptize, water baptize 100 people this year. I'm believing God that 50 people at least 50 people receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of, prayer, of a prayer language. Now, whether that happens during our prayer time or in your house by yourself or in one of our services at the end during an altar call of a special service that we have during that moment, whatever it is, I'm believing for that number. I want to add 80 people in Jesus' name to one of our dream teams. Send 80 people. That way we have 300 people serving on Sundays, serving on Wednesdays, serving in the infant, toddler, sprouts, teaching our children, teaching across the room with our next generation, sending people on mission trips, organizing teams, helping us do ministry. I want to add 40 small groups total. I want to have 40 small groups in this church because we believe in order to truly grow where God has for us to be, we can't just become bigger in number. We've got to become stronger in relationship. And that happens in a small group setting, in a circle, not in a row. We want 40 healthy small groups and small group leaders. Within that, I want four of those, not just one men and one women, but four of those groups. So we'll need more leaders to be freedom groups where people take 13 weeks to go through a curriculum that I truly believe can deliver them and change their lives for all eternity. 13 weeks where they find freedom in Christ that they did not currently have. Last year, we had four groups um, in two semesters, so I want four groups in both semesters. And out of those groups, those people went down to Crossroads, and they attended the Freedom Retreat, and they had people, we had people being delivered of things that we didn't even know they were carrying, that they didn't even know they were carrying. And people finding freedom over things that they'd been struggling with for a lifetime. Our freedom groups are so important. I want to send people on mission teams, mission trips. I want uh, them to go and me be able to keep my staff here and continue to do what we need to do here. So we send teams across the world or down down across the border or within our state or within our nation. I want to launch a third service. I want to launch a third service. 
And I want to start building to facilitate not just housing a bunch of people, but to facilitate the people that want to come to this church to hear a life-giving message of the gospel, which is, for me, the only thing that actually carries over into eternity. You can feed somebody, they're going to get hungry again. You can help somebody have clean water, they're going to get thirsty again. You can clothe them, those te- they're going to grow out of those clothes, or those clothes are going to tear up. But when you give somebody the life that Jesus Christ came to offer, it is something that doesn't just last them the rest of their lifetime. It lasts them the rest of their eternity. So yeah, I want a bigger building so we can house more people, put more people in some of these empty chairs to draw your friends and family in to plug in and live out the gospel. Daniel chapter 10 verse 14 is just a quick scripture. He says, now I am here to explain what will happen to your people in the future. For this vision concerns a time yet to come. This is the vision that concerns a time yet to come. And I told you last week that that's what vision is. Vision is not where we are. It's where we're going. Vision is not what we've done. It's what God has for us to do. In fact, let me say it this way. Vision is the distance between our present reality and our potential purpose. It's the difference between our present and our potential. On the way there, you find vision. Why is vision so important? Because scripture says that where there is no vision, where there is no prophetic vision, where there is no revelational vision, where there is not God's vision, people cast off restraint. People begin to create their own. So when you don't lead your house the way that God has called you to, when you don't fill your role the way that God has called you to, other people notice what you're not doing and they start trying to do it for you. That's why churches split. That's why pastors are run off or people ship, sheep shift. I'm glad I said ship. It's why those things happen. Because the leader's not leading the way that the leader was anointed to lead. Now, whether that's in our house or in your house, Our encouragement is to find God's vision. And when you find God's vision, you fix the rest because you give people purpose and potential that they didn't even know they had. I told you I'd come back to the story. We were in staff meeting one morning and I stopped praying, stopped asking God for everything that I wanted and just started trying to listen for a second. And all of a sudden I had my eyes closed and I don't know if you call this, I don't know what it was. I saw this picture in my head of of this kid like on a trampoline. Actually, I didn't even see the trampoline. I saw the kid come up in the screen and then disappear. The screen of my mind went like on the wall. It's like, oh, no, it was in my head. And I saw this like, ah, and then go back down. And I was like, well, that's weird. <laughs> what was that? And then I began to think, man, God, am I supposed to tell people this? I'm like, hey, I don't know if you, I don't know what God's telling you, but I just saw a kid jump into my head. <laughs> He was on a trampoline, <laughs> jumping all, all through my head. Like, what'd you eat this morning? <laughs> what'd you drink last night? So I didn't know what to do with it. And so I was like, okay, that's cool, a kid on a trampoline. And I'm sitting there and the Lord, I'm, I don't know if you've ever heard this. It wasn't an audible voice. It was just kind of the thought he put in my heart and in my head or somewhere in between. I don't know. Whenever I, I thought about the trampoline, I heard the voice of God say, Chris, I'm not a trampoline. And I was like, yeah, you that's right, you not. Yeah. God, you not. I don't serve a trampoline. I serve I serve creator of everything that was and is and is to come. I said, what does that mean? What is, what is not, not a trampoline? You know, do I go share this? Like, God's not a trampoline. He doesn't, you know, I didn't know what to say. I didn't know what to do with it. But then immediately as I'm going through and I'm playing with God this way, I was like, I don't get this because I have a personal relationship with God. Like, I believe he's my daddy and he likes to just have conversation with me. And so in the midst of that conversation, I heard the voice of the Lord say, I'm not a trampoline. I don't take people up just to throw them back down again. I don't lift people up out of their mess just to put them in a worse one. I'm not a trampoline. I don't bring you up here just so you can go back down there. It's not what I do. It's not who I am. And immediately I heard the Lord say, I'm a ladder. In fact, in the Old Testament, we saw one. Jacob had a ladder 
And the Bible says that the angels were ascending and descending from heaven to earth on the ladder. And in the New Testament, we know that Jesus said, I am that ladder. I am Jacob's ladder that the angels were ascending and descending upon. And so in that moment, I heard the voice of God. I went through all that and I had a good time with it. And I love listening to him and I need to spend more time doing it. And so do you. Because when I listened to the Lord in that moment, God reminded me that he's not a trampoline. He doesn't pick people up just to throw them back down again. He is a ladder and you have to keep on climbing. That when you get to a certain point, you cannot just look back. Or you may become afraid of things that you don't need to even need to be afraid of. When you get to a certain point, you don't look around and thank God for where you've come from and, and just be settled with where you are. God said, don't look down and don't look around. Look up and keep climbing. Fix your eyes upon Jesus. You want to fix your problems? Fix your eyes upon Jesus. You want to fix your finances? Fix your eyes upon Jesus. You want to fix your mentality, your perspective through the mess that you have to walk through in this life? It's not your fault. It's fallen people in a fallen world. But you can fix your eyes upon Jesus. Cast off every weight and the sin that so easily entangles. And you can run the race that God has set for you in a way in 2019 that you've never run before because you are climbing and fixing your eyes upon the Father who is a ladder. Some of you have been in a great place before and you've fallen back. It's not really because you've even fallen. It's because you decided to climb back down. Listen to God. Let him lead. See, a lot of what God wants to do, a lot of God, what God wants to do, it's going to happen in us before it ever happens around us. It's gonna happen in us before it ever happens through us. God changes our spirit before he changes our surrounding. God changes our heart before he ever changes our house. But is he first? Is he first? Because if he's first, then you're receiving vision. If he's first, then you're sharing that vision. If he's first, then you're seeing God move in you and around you. But if he's not first, you're not seeing it. You're not going to. Let me give you this quickly. Moses, the deliverer, was on the backside of a desert where he didn't belong. And God spoke to him audibly through a burning bush. And he was to go back to Pharaoh and say, let my people go. And Moses' calling was to lead people into the promised land, but he didn't do it. He led them out of Egypt, but he didn't lead them into the promised land. In fact, an entire generation of people missed the promised land. And what I'm saying is, is you represent way more people than just yourself. So if you stop climbing, you become a ceiling on everybody that looks to you. If you stop climbing and you stop growing and you stop seeking God, you don't just put a lid on your life, you put a lid on all the lives of the people that you had influence with or even over. And Moses got across the Red Sea, saw these major miracles of God, and he could have taken the people into the promised land. They could have gone straight there. But instead of going there, he thought, well, we better go take a look at it before we go. But the problem was is he didn't even go take a look at it. He sent somebody else to do it. And so when two of the 12 spies that he sent out, only two of them came back and gave a good report. The people listened to the 10 because their leader had no vision. And Moses, an entire generation of people missed the promised land because the leader decided to be settled where he was. Along comes Joshua. Across the Jordan they go. The walls of Jericho come down. They conquer the promised land. They inherit the land. And the Bible says that Joshua stopped defeating the enemies of the land. And then right after the book of Joshua comes the book of Judges, and we see that when Joshua became settled with where he was, the book of Judges says, you remember I told you a minute ago, where there is no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint. Because there was no prophetic vision, the book of Judges says, the people did what was good in their own eyes. That's how they lived their lives. For, so for generations, people did what was good in their own eyes. And along comes the prophet Samuel because people are doing what was good in their own eyes. And God anoints a king named Saul. 
And Saul is fighting an enemy called the Philistines. And the Philistines have a giant named Goliath. And God has to raise up a little shepherd boy, just like he had raised up a shepherd boy named Moses. He has to raise up a shepherd boy named David to come fight a a giant that he shouldn't have had to fight because Joshua stopped defeating the enemies. So, So Saul and the entire nation of Israel and a little boy named David have to defeat the Philistines and Goliath because the people before him became satisfied with not having God's vision. David defeats Goliath. Listen, people are starving for vision. Pastor Rick Dubose will be here on the Sunday and Monday at the end of our fast. He's going to preach both services for us in the morning, Sunday night service. We're going to have a special service Sunday night, another service Monday night. We're going to take a break on Tuesday. And then Pastor Paul Burke is going to come in and preach on the Holy Spirit that Wednesday night. It's going to be a great conference to launch us into the rest of the year. Pastor Rick Dubose made this statement. He was a superintendent of the North Texas District of the Assemblies of God, over 500 churches under his oversight. And he said, Every church that I closed as the superintendent of Texas, every church that I closed the door on, and it wasn't because he wanted to. It was because they couldn't afford to pay their bills or they didn't have enough people to justify having that building they needed to sell. Every church that we closed the door on was because of a lack of vision. Every single church. Now, thank God that Pastor Rick had enough vision that he planted more churches through the North Texas district than they closed the door of. But we have got to be willing to let God stretch us and expand us and seek him for his vision. We've got to find his will. We've got to let him change us. Listen, if we're going to be the church that sets the standard, we've got to seek God for his vision. If you're going to have the house that sets the standard, the marriage that sets the standard, the family that sets the standard, if you're going to have your finances in a place where you can actually live according to your means and be faithful and self-controlled in all of those areas, if your personal life and your future are going to set the standard, we've got to hear from God, receive his vision, and share it with other people because people are starving. You know why we've had such an influx? Because of the pain in this, per- in this place. People are starving for a purpose. You know why 220 people serve on a dream team that they never saw themselves serving on? Because people are starving for a vision. Starving for a purpose. And we are the ones that are called to give it to them. I want you to stand with me right where you are this morning. I know that that was a lot, but I promise you this. You're not more tired than I am sweaty. Just letting you know. Can't take this sweater off until I get home. I have, I, have, I have shared my conviction to the best of my ability. And the reason that I do that that way is because I understand that I'm responsible. And I don't know why, but I understand that I'm responsible. That if I'm not careful, I will be the spiritual lid on what you accomplish in your relationship with Jesus. So we do everything that we can because we understand that we've been positioned in authority for some reason. But there are areas in your life, hear me, hear me, there are areas in your life that I am not responsible for. There are areas in your life I do not have authority in. Only you do. There are people in your life that will only be ministered to by you. So that's why I say we have to be people of vision. I want to invite you right where you stand to just close your eyes and bow your head. I want to invite you right where you stand to mentally just build an altar before God. Maybe you're watching us online right now. Right where you sit, right where you listen. Build an altar before God. And ask Him to help you see as He sees. Ask Him to give you His vision for your life. Ask Him to help you to trust Him, to follow Him, 
to put him first. Lord, don't hold anything back. Ask him, Lord, don't let me be a hindrance to how you want to use me. With every head bowed and every eye closed, we believe here that vision begins with salvation. That you cannot begin to discover what Jesus has for you until you discover him. So right where you stand, we're going to pray a prayer in just a second. It's not because the prayer saves you. It's because salvation begins with confession. And Jesus died so that you could receive salvation, so that you could be sanctified, and so that you could live his purpose for your life. He was resurrected so that you could have life and have it in abundance. And if you came in here today and you have never received salvation before, we want to pray with you right where you stand. If you would be included in that prayer, if you just want to be included in that prayer, I just want you to lift your hand right where you are and say, hey, that's me. I just, please include me. Thank you. Anybody else? Thank you. I see you. I see you. Thank you. Let me ask you another question. You came in here today and you know that your life did not represent a life that has put God first or that's following Jesus. And whether for the first time or the first time in a long time, you know you need to recommit your life to Jesus right now, today. You need to dedicate your life to God right where you stand. You need a fresh revelation of who he is. You need a new covenant. Just you and him. I want you to lift your hand right where you are. Say, hey, that's me. Thank you. Thank you. I see you. I see you. Thank you. Hands going up all over this room. I want you to pray this prayer out loud with all your heart as we agree and believe for God to move together. Pray this prayer with me. Jesus, forgive me where I don't put you first. Help me to position myself for your purpose. I believe you died on the cross. You were raised from the dead so I could have life. So cleanse me and save me. Take my life. Make it yours. Help me to follow you with all of my heart. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, can you praise him right where you stand? I know I had you up for a long time.